welcome to RIS, the number one, the single greatest and highest quality content on the internet. In July of 2021, the City of Los Angeles passed LA Municipal Code Section 41.18, a law that prohibits any type of encampment which includes sleeping, sitting, lying, or storing personal belongings that impedes passage in the sidewalks of certain areas. Many activists have come forward to express their concerns over how this ordinance will inevitably usher homeless people away from their settlements through the enforcement of cruel penalties. This episode features Ryan Deanna Loriano and our distinguished guest Grant Tofmasian discussing the systemic causes of homelessness and possible solutions. This episode will tackle sensitive themes and will contain little to no offensive language so we invite everyone to listen as this is an ongoing issue that needs our constant attention donation links and ways to help will be featured in the description enjoy the episode welcome everyone to ris um if you haven't already please follow us on social media at ris is number one you could do twitter instagram or both all right today i have two very special guests uh diana ladiano who is returning with us for the fourth or fifth time I probably have, yeah. yeah a good amount of times here yeah and then we have the lovely the most fantabulous professor of rio hondo college grant dovmasian of the forensics oh coach of the uh, f- forensics speech and debate team so welcome i'm happy to be here thank yeah. you for having me thank you thank you for coming thank you for being here so, grant i actually wanted to ask you um just to kickstart all of this uh you're the reason the the way I, I got into this topic is actually because of you and i i posted it on my instagram story and people chose it as like the topic that they wanted to hear about for this episode so i was on your instagram page and i saw that you made a video about it and you spoke very passionately about this ordinance and it's nobody really ever hears about this so i thought this would be a perfect opportunity for us to address it with everything going on right now every topic that's being relevant in the news so uh yeah as i but i wanted to ask how do you come to familiar familiarize yourself with these issues and uh at at such a high level well uh, in my job description is being a debate coach or forensics speech and debate coach and also a communications instructor at Rio Hondo College, which means part of what I do is teach people how to speak in public. And in uh, in public speaking, there's a couple of things that are very important. The first and foremost of them happens to be the vital topics, right? Like important topics that have impact on us. And specifically for Rio Hondo, it is critical because some of those vital topics are not just topics that we talk about. Those are the topics that are reflectively impact our lives. Amongst those happens to be healthcare, housing, and so forth. Those important issues impact the lives of our students specifically. Specifically at Rio Hondo, and why do I mention Rio Hondo is because almost 18% of our students deal and are in status of homelessness or not sufficient housing or in some way directly impacted with this topic along with other ones so in part the reason I study those stuff is because uh, they impact my students lives secondarily it's also my job description to help my students argue and learn about what's going on in the world so so therefore uh, i take time and and every morning i spend about 30 to 35 minutes with my f- cup of coffee and and i explore the world to see what's going on and since i'm not very much interested in what's happening in the modern world in other words the popular pages of who married whom or who took which kind of a selfie with whom yeah. or uh, which which person offended whom at whose like uh, social like event or something like that it just leaves the other matters like things of importance like healthcare things like uh, veteran care and specifically homelessness and homelessness has always been an important one for myself because uh, coming to an America and and uh, paying rent and and realizing that you're one rent away from being on the street and also you know ending up on the street sort of tells you that uh it's important enough specifically because majority of people don't care so yeah i don't know if that's an answer of why i do it but but i'm i yeah. just want to know 
or, or maybe not not care but are just negligent with everything else that they could be distracted by or here is the time when i will say unfortunately that's quite the opposite i think majority of people don't actively care about the homelessness that's even, true even though we empathetic to the conditions of, of yeah. a mother with a child we are not empathetic to the whole problem which leads to i don't know 120,000 californians on the street and I would bet that if we were to step out on the street and stop 100 people, 90 of them would say it's their fault. Or they would say something along the lines of they have this problem, they have that problem. And majority mm. of people would not be reflective. That not the number one reason why there is homelessness, in other words, people without houses, is because houses are too damn expensive. Yeah. I apologize. I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> so, yes. No, that's, no, you're exactly right. And I actually wanted to touch on that um, as we go over a lot of the causes because it's, it's never one thing. Um, a lot of people have like this binary way of looking at this uh, issue and, and others as well. But I actually wanted to give a quick description of what the outline is going to be for this episode. So um, we are going to be delving into the, t um, the causes and the solutions afterward. I, I actually have like a, a whole list that I want to get through. And I hope you're, you're both okay with that as well. We have notes, we have resources, and, and by the very end, we are, well, the the podcast is going to list uh, a couple uh, donation sites that you can give to if we have convinced you by the very end. Um, and then we actually have a list of questions uh, to answer. There are only four or five. And the poll for those recently ended, so it'll be perfectly okay. And some of them we'll actually get through as we go like talk about this more. So um, by the very end, it'll probably be like two or three. Okay, very good. And um, so without further ado, let's get into some of the causes. Um, and Grant, I know you said that, you know, housing is very too damn expensive in your own words. <laughs> because it is. No, it, 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 right. I, I think we should speak with a little bit more passion when uh, and passion. I think you can't be compassionate without being passionate. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. I'm just being a little corny there. Um, so let's start off with with something that uh before we go into more of the causes what are some of like the guiding principles for helping homeless people a realization that majority of people have not chosen that to be their particular style of living but were forced into that probably would be the good principle to begin with which means foundationally we have to figure out that those individuals who are stuck in a condition where they do not have consistent or permanent or in some way decent uh, housing is probably because those situations were forced upon them and this this is something that we need to keep in mind because if we do not that allows us to determine that they, they had choices that they did not make right. uh, and so the blame is taken off from the society and is put upon the responsibilities put upon the individual who's suffering the condition of homelessness and right. then we say well you didn't do XYZ and so that's why you're in this condition I think in my opinion and this is purely my opinion that I think the first step is to recognize that reason people are homeless is because it, they were put into a condition that they could not get out and so if we don't begin from there we will always assume well we reached out and you didn't reach back so so it's on you and I think that's why homelessness is such an ongoing problem yeah no I, I it's they they go into this for a variety of reasons whether it's you know something they're living paycheck to paycheck and then they could easily have their own economic situ situation collapse um whether it's like a family member that ends up in the hospital or, or an incident that happens within the family anything could could cause this or if they lose their job for instance right and even with homeless uh students Deanna, i know that you mentioned before we started the, the episode there's Roughly, that you oh, you so listed a certain percentage of students that are homeless right now. Yeah. I, oh, great, great. You <laughs> yeah, also like mentioned that. Oh my god. Like, yeah, there's so many <laughs> things that go yeah. into that. Yeah, and I think that's like as Grant mentioned, like in general, just touching on that really quickly is just changing that narrative because a lot of times we're told like, oh well, like it's that person's fault that they're in the situation that they are, and that's what I feel like. We're actually studying this in one of my classes, like the framing that people use and like the media uses to describe situations that has a big impact on how people see things and see the world. And a lot of times, as Grant said, it's put in like 
to the individual so it's their fault so the first thing like as grant said to kind of change that is to kind of realize that hey this is not just someone's fault that they're in the situation that they are it's the system that has created all of these different things like that we're going to go touch upon like affordable housing and so forth like because of these reasons people are forced into that position as grant said because it's not someone's fault that like no one i no, I was talking about this with Ryan and he also mentioned that Grant had said it in his video, like no one chooses to be like homeless. No one like wants to be out there in the cold and like suffer and have to like face the weather conditions or just be like, you know, who would want to I live in that situation? Of that. And this is not even a story from the United States, but uh, back in Soviet Armenia, um, when we were growing up, there was this one individual who, and in Soviet Union, it's very difficult to be homeless, like laws yeah. <laughs> prevent you from and all that other stuff. So all, when I was growing up, I knew one person who was homeless and he was homeless for a reason. And I'm, I'm not trying mm. to make parallels, but yeah. his family would take him for the winter, but whenever the the spring would come and summer would come, he would leave them and he would literally live on the street. He just wanted to live that lifestyle. But that is not because he didn't have people to care for, not because he didn't have anybody to help him. It just, it was literally his choice to deal mm. with the world in such a way. I think he lost his wife and he just lost interest in engaging mm. with yeah. the larger world. But that, that story is just an example of what it's not reflective mm. of. 150,000 Californians who are on the streets tonight. Yeah. They're right. not doing that because they're just bored and they just don't want to be alongst, amongst other people, but yeah. rather because they're forced into it. Yeah, it, it is a, a melting pot. I, I know that there are a lot of um, people in our generation that are <laughs> fantasizing about uh, living in a van and traveling the country, but that's not a homeless situation whatsoever and and a lot of anecdotes like the one that you had had presented but yeah i i I think we need to be very careful about um the way that we're uh, perceiving this because it's not like i actually just watched a video online because i i was i was curious to see what conservatives have to offer and you know so i saw uh, like a report by tucker Tucker carlson who is uh, like a little bit more nuanced than (laughs) i i than i expected but um and then there was like the the top video that showed up on the feed uh was like this guy talking in his car and he was like well there are basically two types of people ones uh, that have uh really serious mental health problems and then there are some that just choose to be there it's like what and there are some people that just don't listen to their parents and are out there and and don't want to take anything from authority but it's like (laughs) and then the solutions that he provided by the end of the video was okay we should just institutionalize all of them it fool okay fool (laughs) that's interesting and uh, you know that it's upsetting to see that the i I think the the like and and dislike ratio uh was acceptable but not really because we still have this ongoing problem that's bound to get worse and uh, no matter what we do and specifically talking about the la crisis it doesn't we're building shelters and we've already so the the problem isn't the funding because the voters will easily um you know vote yes on something that is uh proposing to help solve the homelessness crisis and it, we can donate billions of dollars into this but the problem is is actually finding these buildings and and having like other uh, uh, of the locals i think there's mm. a few more layers to that as yeah. you're just mentioning it mm-hmm. and part of it has to do with such such things specifically within california that is called proposition 13 i think if you remember any of the uh taxation that is placed upon on existing residences which uh removes and california being a high tax state which means we pay a lot of taxes people are protecting uh, the low cost value that's of the investments yeah, that's uh, of, of the houses and they hold it within generations and which means there is no transfer of property if there is no transfer of property the land isn't being changed which means there is less revenue being introduced Mm -hmm. into the local municipalities and cities and so forth and so on and those municipalities are less vested to promote building of affordable housing because two things number one uh expectation and and unfortunately the societal belief that if you have affordable housing nearby then the price value is going to come down and secondarily uh, certainly the prices in california 
California have astronomically increased mm. to a point where it is absolutely not sustainable because if you need to be able to be making several hundred thousand dollars to even buy a moderate or median level of house, that literally removes the possibility of anybody to be able to purchase a house, which means pushes a majority or a large number of people into the renter status, which then therefore connected directly with their consistency of income, which if uh, something happens and you lose it, then you're out of luck, or um, it puts you in a position of continuous struggle. So that's how it happens that for generations upon generations, houses just simply go from one family member to another, or else they're being purchased from people with means that are absolutely denied to like, I don't know, regular, regular human folks. beings. Mm. Yeah. And then on top of that, if you do rent every year, or like if there's no rent control, then it's constant, like there's a constant increase. Like I know every year we have to pay more for rent and yeah. like personally, and that's just like, it's it's ridiculous. It's like, how are people supposed to keep up with that? And, and with uh, a condition of apartment buildings that would be uh, for specifically rent control or in some way affordable housing, well, the state regulations again prohibit uh, assigning the newer buildings to that. And so we are running into that issue. Yes, there are money or there is money in California and there are lots of people who are vested in wanting to do better, mm -hmm. but it's not the issue of not having houses. There's like what, 300, thousand available or empty mm -hmm. right. units yeah. of uh, housing in California alone if I remember correctly and there's only about 150,000 homeless I'm saying only 150,000 as if that's, as that's small. I, I think so in LA County I believe it's um, 66,000 yeah. and then it's 44 in, in the city of Los Angeles and then uh, there is rent control um, but everybody is subject to their own um, types of regulations within their every like, city, jurisdictions. Every, yeah, the of course. Yeah. Um, and then there are state regulations if you don't have some already, but you can't raise it above three or four percent within a twelve-month period. But then after that, like if you if you have a tenant move out, then you are allowed to. See, there's an eight-year waiting period for a Section Eight housing, for example. Eight year. So that's, let's say I have a seven years old or eight years old. <laughs> By the time I get it, they're going to live through the entirety of their childhood without ever getting access i mean uh, eight year wait period i'll That's give you water in three oh, years shoot yeah <laughs> it's ridiculous and it's constantly increasing like in terms of like how many people are suffering and going into homelessness and even like not to mention with just what happened with the pandemic a lot of people did lose their jobs and like yeah it's, yeah the population uh, skyrocketed or I, I mean increased tremendously i can't give exact numbers for that but i'm yeah Rent freezes. Uh, well, one of the good things that happened out yeah. of this is, is the fact that they uh, prevented uh, evicting people mm -hmm. due to their inability to pay, which is, which is great. It protected yeah. a lot of people. Yet at the same time, those are just Band-Aid solutions and they yeah, haven't Stanford. really solved anything. Wait, uh, what, what was the Band-Aid solution? Uh, the the uh, inability to, for the landlords to evict oh, tenants right. yeah. okay. from, their, from their homes for their inability to pay, pay uh, their rent okay. uh, due to the COVID. So that yeah. was a national freeze that was put in place. But then they're still going to have to pay all of that mm -hmm. rent that they owe. And it's like, how is someone supposed what? to get all of that money? Yes, because that's it, a it's a debt that they owe. Yeah, it's a debt that you, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> that's that's literally impossible. They can't pay that. Yeah, it's like you're occurring a debt. Like every month you're not paying or aren't able to like pay it. That's the amount of money you're going to owe. And how are you going to pay that back when they stop that? Like they're going to be like, oh, that's majority money. is lease signed, which means your credit is now shot to hell, which means goodbye. Any possibility of you ever buying anything ever. Wow. Mm -hmm. So good luck with that. So yeah. that was just basically delaying the inevitable, those yeah. regulations that were passed? Just yeah. They saved people and they kept them in, a, in, in their homes, homes which mm -hmm. is yeah. great. I mean, that's that. I am not going to bash it that and say that's a bad thing. Yeah. People were not put on the streets in the middle of a pandemic. But at the same time, even that solution, because either somebody has to pay off that rent in order for that debt to disappear or somebody is going to incur debt and that yeah. just finances 101 and mm, uh, not a good we live yeah. in a society where money matters and so uh, it's it's going to be written off of somebody now yeah. I'm somehow doubting that you may mentioned Tucker uh, he's not going to be the one who's going to be donating so highly doubt that so yeah. it's either the states or cities and cities already don't have enough money because again because of the 
uh, low collections, specifically yeah. when it comes to uh, the money access for the land properties and so forth, yeah. or it's going to be based on state uh, larges and, you know, state is rather mixed in the manner in which it deals with stuff. And so it's a pretty complex situation yeah to which i don't have an answer of course <laughs> no absolutely do you know um some of the problems with the efforts of uh the shelters and the nonprofit organizations what it, what about them what's a key component that makes them insufficient any number of things uh beginning with zoning where are you going to place it like uh, yeah. for example um i'll venture a guess burbank where I reside is not going to be very sympathetic to have many of those because uh, of obvious reasons people are going to have problems. The same reasons why people in Long Beach had problems with the homeless people because they're saying, well, they're ruining my million dollar view to the beach. So that's yeah. their problem, mm -hmm. certainly. And, and so one has to do with where you're going to place them. Majority of the uh, homeless shelters and so forth and so on uh, are located in a places that are considered to be least desirable or uh, usually considered to be the bad parts of the yeah. of the wrong side of the tracks or whatever euphemism yeah. uh, you want to use for saying places where other people don't necessarily like. So yeah. uh, being able to make sustainable and continuous means we, we need to open it up and be able to build it in, in the places where we can readily find people and give them access to rather than push them yeah. into from all around Los Angeles County onto yeah. the sixth and Los Angeles and then all of a sudden anybody who knows what I'm saying in anybody who's been to sixth and Los Angeles knows exactly Skid Row. Uh, yeah uh, what I'm talking about so we need to be able to make housing available and or shelters available to be able to get people when they are so if you're in San Bernardino, you get it there. If you're in Glendale or Burbank, you get it there. If you're in Los Angeles, you get it there. And that's why there is not going to be communities pushing people out and then getting them culminated into this skidrosinous island yeah. right. of where you're going to do it. Where but everyone just ignores the problem. And, and since the money is mm. also going to come from the county or uh, city, yeah. that, that doesn't put the burden on a singular city. And I know this oh, is just yeah. a... A single solution but mm. in extension it needs to be shared by everybody but majority of people choose not to that's why for example states like uh, um, Oregon and Washington seem to be such progressive states when it comes to laws but they have absolutely no problem pushing their homeless away because you know they sort of spoil the mm. scenery I suppose right uh, and okay I, I understand that they can't put it in certain cities like in Burbank and um, and other locations that you mentioned. And Not if well, we they can't. can't. People they, don't well, can. But no. they are... It's less preferable. Yes. Yeah. And then people will fight it. Like in Whittier, too, when that was going on, a lot of people were actually like for pushing the homeless out because people just don't want to see that. People don't want to have to acknowledge that, hey, there's someone out there who needs help and they'd rather just... They'd rather just not see it, which is really sad. That's why, as Grant said, they're trying to concentrate them into one area. But then I like the point of having it in multiple cities because then that eases the burden per, per city. Right. No, absolutely. Well, so and then if they were to be pushed into one area, I suppose, like and if like they were put in some homeless shelters, like you're giving them a bed, but you're not giving them a home. And and so one of the solutions that I actually found online talked about transitional housing and permanent housing. Mm -hmm. So but there's not enough of that. And if you were to do it, then you'd have to have it in the outskirts of L.A. or somewhere. It, I, um, it's, it, and I think when you, you'd have to allocate a lot of resources for that as well. So lots of funding. And again, every this this population is a melting pot and everybody has their own issues and. Um, as, as to why they ended up there in the first place, but you ha are supposed to have a lot of like mental health experts on the campus in case yeah. you are to have something. So it just it, it goes to show that it's uh, there's um, I don't know, it's there's just so it's going to perpetuate itself. Yeah. And then just I know you mentioned transitional housing. I recently caught up with a friend who actually works. Um, I believe they're like a counselor in a transition home in Oakland. 
and they were telling me about like different stories or incidents that were going on but one of the biggest problem is that a lot of people who who were there and who get at least that assistance and that help stay there for years like there's people who have been there over 10 years so this is supposed to be transitional housing and helping people get out of that situation but there's like multiple factors that go into it and you can't just be like oh well we just we put them in a home they're good you know like you have to have a lot of different things to help and so that problem doesn't continue Mm -hmm. yeah and i I think if you were to put i I mean just as this is me thinking like speculating as to what that might be like if you were to put maybe four or five of them in a room then there could be some domestic violence that could happen or i mean if the, if the group knew each other it, it just it has to be very well organized and may I, I bring up a point yes and not in some critical way or anything see you just said something put four or five of them to a room as if they are a yeah. sack of potatoes that we no. need to deal with. <laughs> no 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 right i know i know I but, know, a, I, but a group <laughs> um, yeah How I, I know we, i know you I, I, yeah. right like we think of them as a problem that we need to solve we don't think of them as people, people who have a problem to. who we need to help yes. i think all of us yeah. who don't suffer for that with that particular problem have that we're like how am i you know I, i'm going to bring a very bad analogy and probably not even applicable one it's basically the, what we're talking about is a definition of a patriarchy like sort <laughs> of uh explaining as a man to a woman what she ought to do when uh, one is like well first of all we need to understand that they are not some sort of a commodity or some sort of an item we need to understand their people and and there's not four or five of them that we need to settle there each and every one of yes. them right. that we need to figure out how to help because each and every one of them has a different yeah. reason or yeah. a problem and, and then when we do that then we can actually have a solution because otherwise um why do people avoid shelters homeless shelters mm-hmm. uh, because they're afraid that it's they're very going systematic and institutionalized and secondarily trouble that can result in violence uh, yeah. within it is is continues and whatever limps smaller or like limited belongings they have are subject to be stolen they're subjected to like assault even within them so like that institutionalized aspect of solution is not going to be functionally effective in helping the overarching may may i chime in oh yes my bad oh do you want to Oh, no, because well, it was just like, yeah, you're just putting them in a place or that's how people think that's the problem, like the solution, just put them somewhere and they're good. But no, like a lot of people need help with other different things. And like sometimes we don't even like they don't have access to a lot of things. You need to help them one, find a job and like, you know, just be able to go back to that yeah. and even like address mental health issues as well and give them access to like psychiatrists or psychologists um, and just counseling and just the help that they need, right. you know, because there's so many factors that go into that. And it's uh, a lot of them have been I I saw this uh, LA documentary that was on YouTube you can look it up it's uh, homelessness in LA it'll probably be like the fourth or fourth or fifth video that pops up and it's like about an hour long I highly recommend it so go check it out if you have the chance Um, but there were a lot of anecdotes where you know people were in the juvenile system when they were at least 14 or 15 and then they got out and then you know they had injuries they're not able to sustain a job they had trouble with taking so I mean there's there's a lot of um things like that where just it's it's very circumstantial for lack of a better word and they they happen to come to this place where they just lost faith in these institutions so uh, one of the the biggest things that um that must come like come as a requirement for these uh, institutions that we want to build up and that we're speaking about here at the table is that we need to have really great outreach we need yeah. to we need to visit uh, these people individually and figure out what their needs are. But it's uh, Grant. I, I want to go back to what you were saying. Um, the critique is is extremely valid, and I, I'm trying to think, think about this in the most uh, efficient way possible. But you know, without having uh, to fast track all of this, because it's it's it, uh, I think it's very troubling when uh, you know the whole goal of this is to reintegrate everybody into society like obviously you want to do that but what what are their needs first and so i think what should we primarily focus on when we're like building these institutions should we just focus on their mental health and build and 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 fixing it and providing the help they need or and and then secondarily focus on the uh, 
reintegration? Larger issue or a smaller issue? If we're looking mm. at the larger issue, the number one thing is you need to have affordable housing. Yeah. If you have affordable housing, there's less people on the street. So immediately those who are subjected to being on the street because they can't afford it, uh, are no longer subjected to yeah. that, which means all of a sudden you don't have to worry about the population that is going to be end ending up on the street because they don't have a place to be. Affordable housing solves a large chunk of the problem. Then it allows us to focus on those specific cases that remain. Individuals who need, like uh, Diana mentioned, the additional help, whether that be health reasons uh, or mental reasons or any other uh, family or could be um, any number of reasons. And then we can now focus on those. And now we can actually do exactly what you're saying, which is focus on the problem. And the problem begins with provide affordable housing. Yeah. We have affordable housing. Yeah. We cut the majority of the problem down because that gives people exactly what they need most people are homeless because they don't yeah. have that yeah. wait a minute let me ask you something how 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 realistic is that is, is the problem more regulations or is the problem capitalism plenty of countries that are capitalists don't have homeless people so i'm not sure this is a capitalist we need to start a revolution uh, no absolutely not i came from soviet union to a capitalistic country so that kind of tells you that i i have actually uh, i find mm. more comfort here in a capitalistic system than in socialistic but like our ideologies put aside right like no i don't think it's a problem of capitalism it's a problem of selfishness and mm. uh, society and, and, and maybe capitalism run amok, right? Like fair deal, fair goods for fair services is a capitalistic principle. We don't have neither fair nor do yeah. we have good, uh, which means the problem is continuous. So the problem isn't even in capitalism, right? Like think about it rationally. Uh, we uh, and, and it brings it back to the uh, housing prices. Uh, here's a very simple statistic that most people ignore majority of the mayors in the United States would not be able to afford a house in the city in which they live in <laughs> if they would not have houses already or some other sources of income. What does that tell oh, you? Wow. That tells you that the prices are astronomically high and are massively problematic because it leads to I mean, think about it. When the square inch of property uh, yeah. in, in New York and or Los Angeles and or San Francisco, and somebody would say, yeah. well, you know what, Grant? Uh, you don't have to live in those cities. So basically, you're telling me I'm not good enough to live in those cities? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I should go somewhere where it's more affordable, and somebody will shrug shoulders and say, well, that's the reality. But it oh. is not the reality. We're going to take a quick pause. Okay, folks, uh, we have the air conditioner on, and we also have uh, somebody using the, uh, what is it called? The, the Noise pollutants, uh, or in other words, the, you know, just, uh, from, what are they called, really? I, blow, blow I was going to say blow dryer. No, it's the <laughs> leaf, lawn blower. leaf blower. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, it's okay. I'm pretty sure they'll end soon, but for now, you're uh, going to have to listen to us while having some background noise, and hopefully that's okay. Anyways, uh, Grant, you were talking about the housing um, affordability in New York and Los Angeles? Which is, or lack of affordability, yeah. uh, we should say it. Oh, and yes. uh, reality is, is that certain zip codes are always going to be more pricier than others. As a matter of fact, here's a funny thing, right? Like uh, this, this artificial maintenance of the prices is also correlated specifically with uh, who's going to be profit, profiting from maintaining the high value. In other words, uh, United States is a larger, rather large country, right? Like, and and we do have space to build and more houses. And uh, does anybody ever ask themselves why is it that the house built in Mississippi or um, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, can be sold or, or built for like three hundred thousand, and it's a beautiful, beautiful house? Yet in the same house that is built in San Francisco or in LA is about one point five million dollars. So <laughs> figure me this out is it the labor cost is it the materials i mean they're all bought from china anyways right so it's yeah <laughs> it's not like that okay so the labor should be the same the, the the thing should be so what is it that drives the cost 
up and until we are reflectively looking at it and realize that if we build enough affordable housing then all of a sudden the control of the prices will no longer be possible and so that they will no longer skyrocket so all of a sudden those people who have five investment properties will no longer be able to make uh, gajillion dollars and, and or buy multiple ones and be able to pay over price which will also allow regular people to be able to buy more which means if more people are able to buy more houses then there's less people renting when there's less people renting there's also going to be more housing available which can also allow the cities to be able to house those individuals without necessarily needing to do any of those things like right. i said there's available units present yes. but those units aren't being utilized right Oh. So we could have like types of regulations where it's like if, if a unit is not in use, then it has to be given to the city or the or back to the bank, and it given um, have like some affordable restrictions on it so that people w would be able to purchase them. Uh, absolutely, there's mm -hmm. ways to do it. We just there were there needs to be a will, and there needs to be a collective will. You can't do that by just us saying it isn't sufficient. Yeah. Because think about it, how many properties or how much money does a bank hold without willingness to let it go because they're expecting for the turnaround of the prices. 2008 uh, housing market uh, resulted in, in, in a horrific, horrific conditions for a lot of people, yet uh, the banks walked out <laughs> like robbers and <laughs> because they were too big to fail, whereas uh, lots of other people have lost their lives savings and even mm. though there were multiple stimuluses given by a variety of different presidents in order to assist it most of it went to the big corporations and banks uh, who just literally were able to preserve their properties and now sell them at astrona we are in the middle of the covid pandemic right where people are living on government assistance and yet the housing prices has been increasing at a 25 to 30 percent per year the hell are we talking about? Like right. How? It's like the biggest upward transfer of wealth, especially at the beginning of, of the pandemic where everybody got a stimulus. But at, in the long term, it the um, large corporations and even the elite class got trillions of dollars more than... They always You mean $150 after $150 billion monthly buyback of debt and... and uh, things that uh, that fed is doing for the big corporations nobody needs to approve those kinds of yeah. deals if it's for them it's totally fine they'll all say yes but if it's for the people then they'll start arguing and like no they shouldn't get that you know, yeah yeah i think it's fair to say um that everybody in congress is either republican or, or diet republican I that's don't think, and Sid, this is I know, my that's critical an, element. That, 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 that might be an oversimplification, but I think it's a, I will, it's a, it's a fair well, way to look at it. More. I don't think they're Republicans. I don't think they're Democrats. I think both Republicans and Democrats have truly lost their way because um, if they were truly Republican, they would be at the very least humane enough and fiscally responsible mm -hmm. enough uh, that would not allow a lot of the things that are happening to take place. And conversely, if they were truly Democrat enough, then the assumptive nature is that Democrats would do better. Democrats don't they do better. Don't. They talk better, right. but they have never done better yeah. because if they would have done better, they would have solved the homelessness issue. They would have solved the immigration issue. They would have solved the healthcare issue. Heck, half of them don't even want to. Uh, and and every Democrat that I know has bashed on Donald Trump and uh, for number of reasons. But I don't see a single one of those multimillionaire Democrats ever giving any of those largesses of the tax cuts that uh, uh, Donald Trump implemented, giving it back to the charity and their organization. Yeah. So which means right. I'm sorry, but I'm going to no, respectfully yeah. disagree with you mentioning that uh, no, Republicans I, are bad. No, they're all bad. Yeah. I think it's more of in the sense of that neither of them really care to do anything. And as Grant said, like there was many opportunities for the Democrats to do something when they're in, they were in control of both the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Yet they do nothing to solve it. So what? I think what like you were just no wait could I uh, okay wait finish yeah. wait. oh no I think what I you know, were like I didn't mean to say it in a rude <laughs> way <I just> <laughs> no like yeah. I think what you were just referring to is that like they just talk the talk but they're just like no yeah I I I guess the the one thing that I was trying to get across was that um, people have abandoned their principles in favor of their own self-interest. And especially yeah. in Congress, like you were saying, a lot of them are multimillionaires and have taken um, 
deals and uh, lobby have been lobbied by uh, corporations and other interests that, that are at, at play. Yeah, and they know what's going to happen, so and, they know where to put their stocks in, too. Yeah. It, again, I, I think it's a very... Um, the way even the way the media is run it's just uh the, the the binary perception is kind of what favors their their own interests as well but when going back to new york and los angeles a large majority of their jurisdictions are run by uh democratic mayors and the jurisdictions so um yeah i i think that's that's good to point out i don't know do you have any comment on not really mm -hmm. i just think that it's not local issue just local issue it could be a local issue but it, it is a statewide issue and it's also a federal issue mm -hmm. and until we recognize it as such and all parts and all uh elements play together we will not be able to have a solution for it for three reasons number one is because we're talking about either truly equity and equality mm -hmm. issue uh, a little city is not either doesn't have the means to be able to support it in other words let's look at the school districts mm -hmm. if you oh don't yeah. raise enough revenues your school is going to be bad so state or federal government needs to step in in order to ensure that kid or those kids get the adequate or uh, quality education which is incidentally is also connected to what we are talking about right now because from the moment where we put the the certain things such as uh, regulation and how much taxes can be collected from the houses in California, our education has went down. Nobody, for some reason, doesn't realize that in, in 1960s, California had, if not the number one, but the oh one wow. of the uh, like top two or three uh, school systems in, in the United States. After we have cut off the means to be able to affordably uh, give students now, parity with all the others, our education system went down and down and down and down. And we take claim that we're the fifth richest uh, economy in the world or something like that, if yeah. it would have been a separate state. But that doesn't translate into <laughs> educating our children or giving them health care and certainly doesn't translate in taking care of our homeless population. Right. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Um, California has a complicated history. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> California does. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, I guess the last thing that we could end on is uh, what are some of the most efficient ways to uh, collectively stop it to, together? I, I will say exactly what I say in every classroom I've ever been. I don't have solutions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I do know that if enough people are interested in it, collectively we can come up with a solution. Uh, but we just got to get people interested. And I don't know how to, we can do that. Mm. And I think yeah. it's also about keeping the interest because a lot of times, especially now, we focus on one issue for like a week. And next thing you know, well, we hear nothing about that. And it's like to the next topic. And a lot of times, like these issues have been going on for years, for decades, and nothing is done to solve them because like it's only in the limelight for five seconds, not literally five seconds, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we just push it away. It's next. It's the next thing. We don't pay enough attention to it. So we need to get people interested, but as well as keep that attention and keep that momentum going in order for real change to be caused. Because yeah. if we like are like, yeah, we care about this, and next thing you know, it's like we don't, then it's it's like a it's like a fad that um it, you know you're you're switching in between different fads that are, or different trends that are happening on social media. There's right? one thing that I would say that I think that could be effective that uh, has shown to be demonstratively the most long term is the is implementation of actual federal program oh. uh, uh, f sufficient insufficient numbers not the one that puts you on a <laughs> 10 year uh, wait list but rather an effective infusion of the federal monies and or federal resources would eliminate the need to either uh, try Google for the locals or try to change the mindset of the individuals yeah. who are resistant which means there needs to be a larger force from externally pushing towards some of those institutional changes or at the very least giving the money in order to create not substandard housing but if we all of a sudden build very good quality housing and we say here people this isn't the leftover housing these aren't projects these aren't intended as projects but rather they are homes that are just as any other home all of a sudden we might actually have something right yeah. especially because that's something that's more permanent versus you know having it be temporary i think we touched on this a little bit earlier but wouldn't it be is it, it, it um, 
is it too much of a of a grandiose idea is it is it too out there if we uh relocate everybody within the cities or actually the, the entire homeless population across the united states into one state and give them affordable give everybody affordable housing i certainly and hope you're joking yeah because i mean I'm that's not okay it well not everybody but you of course said everybody. Yeah, you okay. Said everybody. okay all right okay actually all right well of course like practically everybody wouldn't work but for maybe you could start affordable housing campuses and if and other states and every where properties try are available something if you're suggesting if it's possible to do in one state that it's not possible in every state and we would have those opportunities and we were oh. extend to people and somebody wants to take it i'm okay with it but shipping people anywhere i am 100 percent opposed okay i am 100 percent opposed to taking people and shipping them them somewhere and that right. just comes from my armenian heritage okay the putting people on the marches has never worked out well for anybody in any instance <laughs> no yeah it was just an idea but i no i think you're i think you're right yeah um and I mentioned earlier too, like having um, permanent housing, like on the outskirts of LA. I I didn't mean it as like okay, like there are places where we can build houses cheaper. I think I know exactly what you're talking mm -hmm. about. If that's what you're talking about, mm -hmm. then yes, there are places where we can build those houses, decent houses. But you can't just build a house and send the person because they still have to pay tax. They still have to pay utilities. They still have to pay those things. Okay. You, you shouldn't just build a house and say, Andy. you got to give a person, okay, if you're going to go there, here's the work, here's the yeah. job. No, here's... no, not affordable housing, uh, like permanent housing. Yes. You know, so not where they have to pay for utilities or, um, or the other thing that you mentioned until they're ready. Those things are uh, always uh, going but, yeah. to be... Well, no, that would come out of the taxpayer, ta taxpayer fund, right? But then it's like, okay, how are they going to afford food or be able to buy them, like, the basic necessities? Every... Well, that, that would come with the housing. You, they have mental health experts, and then they have, st like, resources that Utopian you could ship to them. City. Yeah, no, like, that's, that sounds utopian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, but this is ideal. <laughs> that sounds like a utopia, <laughs> which it is ideal if we all lived in this utopia. Then why don't we just build, give them houses where they live, and then we don't have to send them anywhere? No, but that's... It's, it's, we've already mentioned that it's kind of problematic. I mean, with the short-term solution, if we want to build housing, is to have it outside of L.A. County, somewhere where it's a lot more affordable, like Temecula, if they are willing to go out there, of course. And while propping up and um, giving, allocating more resources to the current homeless shelters that we have right now and put the more shelters where it's possible, you know, where it's logistically possible. Mm -hmm. um, I... You want to know some statistic but, I've read? Wait, I, which is, I'm sorry. I've oh wait, oh no, no, I just wanted to mention one more thing. But I, I can see why that might be difficult because practically reinstitutionalizing them is is uh, very far fetched, and because you have to get regain all of the documentation that they had lost, um, like birth certificates and, uh, uh, and social security cards, everything. So, yeah. Uh, the only thing I was going to say is that it's also about anytime you implement some kind of a program of like what you're talking about, it's probably going to lead to uh, those who don't actually need it to the same degree taking advantage of right. it. Oh, In so. other words, um, I'll be evil, right? Like, hey, I know a little bit about those things, Diana. You're going to now classify yourself as homeless, and I'm going, going to do the paperwork with you because we know how to do paperwork, and all of a sudden, somebody who doesn't need it is going to get it and more so than those who actually, who actually need it because right. the person who actually needs it doesn't have a pen. Yeah, they and don't I'm have just, the resources yeah. to be able to go and apply, which is like a big problem even now with the programs that we have because... How are people supposed to apply for these things if they have no means? Like right. even getting a job, like your address. Those are other Cell issues too. Phone so or Cell email. phone, yeah. Or you, they don't have yeah. access. No, to so that. there there needs to be sufficient outreach. But I also think like there are predatorial parties within oh, yeah. places like Skid Row where of course they're they're trying to get people um, hooked on drugs. I, I saw it in the LA documentary that I watched, and um, you know prostitution and other issues um, like that. Mm -hmm. And so when people are integrating into those places and you have like they're aggregated in one area there then there are other parties that just take advantage of those people number one mm -hmm. place to sell drugs is in front of the rehab center that 
Yeah. There's people who are always going to find a way to take advantage of that and do what's like benefits them at the cost of others, which is really sad. Right. But yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of them were selling stuff on the ground and like on their blankets. And of course they weren't allowed to because there are people that genuinely want to make money and, and earn some type of living for themselves, but they can't because other, like other parties have, sold drugs or put drugs in, in their in their items so mm -hmm. they just ban it all together and it's just you know it's unfortunate so yeah mm -hmm. but yeah I'm, I'm really glad that we got to talk about this issue do you mind if we go over a couple questions that were ask. on my instagram ask, ask my instagram okay excellent Ooh, yay. let me see i'm gonna pull it up right now oops it's nice to see people are asking that yeah we have engagement okay one of them is incoherent but i'm gonna I'm going to translate the, <laughs> translate it the best way that I can. So, uh, do you, so, so I'm not going to give the usernames either, but one of them is asking, why is it usually men who are homeless? I don't think that's true. Uh, the, it's the most visual and the most projected uh, representation. Uh, and uh, I have not looked at the demographic separation other than knowing that it affects uh, a lot of people. So I wouldn't be, I don't think I feel I'm qualified to say why yeah. that happens to be the case other than uh, relying on some of the things that willingness or the um, women are better and smarter than uh, men, it would be my answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and or are able to survive because often they have to survive not just for themselves, but for the we kids. Should, yeah. And which means they are the backbone of any society, in my opinion. So I think the one of the reasons is because men are weaker. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's an answer to that particular question, but that's how yeah. I feel. Right. Yeah. I don't know the actual statistics of that either. The only statistic that I saw recently was that out of all the homeless population, 70% are individuals. So they're like on their own. And then 30% of that population are like families who are together, which is really sad because those are like with children as well. Um, but I don't know in terms of gender. So I was going to tie it. I was going to mention the welfare system as well. You know, like there, there can't be two parents within the household. If you want to um, get welfare support and you can't make above a certain um, income but of course like those people are also struggling so you know you have to be poorer than poor in mm -hmm. order to, to get that type, Any mm -hmm. type of mm -hmm. help yeah um and so how do you become homeless I, I believe we've already answered that uh how have you ever come across people who are homeless and got out of that state and, and back to normal life yes uh, i mean i've i've had the pleasure of knowing several individuals who were able to correct uh, and usually it was connected with their ability to be able to put themselves and work hard to be able to reintegrate themselves mm -hmm. within the society I've also had the opportunity as an instructor and a, a coach to work with students who faced with mm -hmm. uh, homelessness and who are able and who were able to you know uh, work through it and be able to get degrees and, and, and mm. work. So yes, uh, luckily I can say that I have had the opportunity of meeting people who have been able to overcome those obstacles mm. and, and I'm very proud of them. Yeah, so it's, it's extremely difficult, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. I, yeah, I've had friends who have like opened up to me and told them like, told me about their situations when they were younger and that, you know, as well their families didn't have anything and they were homeless for a while and luckily now they're doing really well and i think that yeah it's amazing to see and i'm just glad that i got to know them yeah and that they're they're in a good place now we've mm -hmm. had some on our team you know them yeah <laughs> i know a couple of people they're lawyers now what wow. <laughs> oh my, oh my god at the, at the very well, least that's yeah, yeah that's amazing shit. see that's yeah. yeah and they were in that condition when they were children actually mm -hmm. the specific person yeah. that's yeah I'm blown but away. that's not it's the norm no yeah, I know that's I know, like you I know. know unfortunately they were able to like find the way or find their path to wherever they had mm -hmm. to be but it's unfortunate that not everyone gets to be there like I they know yeah. like even with just little things like oh like we ended up at Rio Honda we ended up to we ended up you know meeting the correct people but it happens by chance sometimes and it sucks that not everyone has those opportunities right 
I, I believe we were, we've already answered this as well, but uh, how many people go homeless uh, due to college debt and why are why do so many people become homeless? That's a newer phenomenon mm -hmm. uh, that has to do with specifically student debt related uh, uh, homelessness and so forth. Um, and part of it has to do with uh, just the fiscal reality. Once you're uh, incapable of paying and mm. <laughs> and it uh, outgrows your ability to be able to, it uh, has a negative impact. But there are also several things that I would like to say because every time somebody talks about that, uh, they usually means that they try to paint the picture of saying so the college is not worth it <laughs> and I cannot think of an investment that is more valuable then uh, yes absolutely I cannot think of an investment more valuable than higher education because at the price of a mid-range sports car not even sports car mid-range sedan you uh, increase your availability of being able to earn money by 1.2 million dollars there is nowhere in the world where you can invest thirty thousand well unless you do some I don't know crypto exchange and then get <laughs> lucky yeah. but outside of that thirty to forty thousand dollars which is usually thirty six thousand is the national debt average gives you an opportunity to have a lifetime of earnings of uh, 1.2 million dollars additionally and in continuation uh, when we talk about any number of pro problems when you have a bachelor degree your incarceration rate drops to 1.6 percent and in certain cases it's uh, and, and oh wow and if you get a master's degree and if you happen to be previously incarcerated your reincarceration rate drops to zero point I don't even know what percentage what so if you want to wow. talk about what makes sure that people don't end up into and this is not related to the housing but also connected to like I don't know a whole bunch of social okay. issues but uh, nevertheless education is the key that breaks the barriers and the reason that education is expensive is because it's damn worth it uh, well, wow you want to make sure not everyone well, has access to that because nobody wants their kids competing with your kids <laughs> so your kids don't need to go to school because they can go be janitors and so can mine and that was the advice that was given to m by me by my high school counselor I should be a mechanic and, uh, and every time we do that oh those are really good paying jobs they are they are fantastic jobs every job has to have respect and worth and admiration mm -hmm. but at the same time then, then in that case we shouldn't put certain people into certain yeah. jobs right why are mechanics happen to people who look like us and lawyers happen to be people who don't look like us? Yeah, yeah. we only make up 3% of the uh, of, of lawyers. no idea. I think so. Between a California Bar Association, my statistics are outdated, but like, I don't know, like less than 5% nationally is... Yeah. Uh, is uh, and we make up more... Latinx of and, and black, and that right. is reflectively of... of uh, doctors. Heck, uh, I was reading the statistics the other day. There's only been like 140 black women in the history of United States who have a PhD. What? what? In I think in 140. Yeah, like 140 or 160. In the United States. Yes. Oh, Google only. it right now. What? I don't even okay. know. I, I remember that it was a, a or it was no no no. I I remember. I apologize. I apologize. Less mm -hmm. than 160 women have gotten an advanced physics degree. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I remembered. Okay. That's still... Like, that is it. still horrible because no, they're right. almost non-represented. Yeah. Look at the black population within the physics, within medicine, within... Why are they not getting those degrees? Well, I mean, from early on, they're like, yeah, math is for boys, which is... And math and science, that's so annoying. I, I hated that. So, well, I'm not sure it's... That's a, a different argument, but... There, but it, no, but there's still a lot of that goes into that, but that's just one thing that just came to the top of my gender head. Gender normalization you, of specific professions certainly is a problem, but I'm talking about... But a bigger issue <laughs> in, like, access to education as well and I, being able to complete those type of programs because yeah. that's so and, expensive. And if somebody can afford to pay their kids way through anything, then, they're, of course, they're going to walk away with no debt or the debt isn't going to matter which means those who are going to be borrowing money i've borrowed money you folks probably will borrow money and that's the reality yeah. and, and we have to pay it and i'll tell you one more thing like it's it's problematic and it's not nice and it's expensive but it's like i said worthy investment so uh i'm mm. not going to speak of the college debt as a good thing because nobody yeah. likes that but at the same time I'm not going to use it as an uh, 
back door tool to bash education. To be, yeah, to yes. be like, no, don't go to school because it's because you'll just end up in debt. No, Homeless. that's not. Yeah, no, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it's that don't be your monger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, that was um, probably one of the most valuable conversations that I've ever had on the podcast. Thank you both for joining me today. Grant, thank you so much for, for making it all the way out here. And Diana, uh, as always, thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Hi, everyone. It's just me here in the studio giving some final thoughts. Deanna and I originally recorded a reflection segment together shortly after we ended our session with Grant, but unfortunately the audio wasn't perfect and I just thought it would be better if I cut and replaced it with a short spiel from yours truly. First off, I just wanted to say Deanna and I both love Grant. We were both acting like kids in a candy store when he said yes to coming onto the show. For a number of reasons. One, he has so much knowledge and data he could recall right off the top of his head uh, for any given subject. And on a personal level, he's helped us excel in our academic careers and has given us so much of his wisdom during our time at Rio for both Deanna and I. So I'll always be uh, grateful for him. And I'm sure many other students feel the exact same way. If you want to see and hear more from him, you should follow his Instagram page where he consistently uploads videos of himself sharing his thoughts on a whole variety of issues. Uh, at Grant Tofmasian. That's Grant, T-O-V-M-A-S-I-A-N. So go check it out. With regards to the donation sites. There are plenty out there you could give to. I've personally donated to the Dream Builders Project in LA, a nonprofit that assembles care packages for the homeless that includes food, water, soap, toothpaste, first aid kits, clothing, and information about local shelters and food banks. I left a link to a website that shows a list of nonprofits that are out there and based in LA. So please go check it out if you could spare a few moments. Uh, the biggest takeaway from this conversation for me personally is just to give however you can. Your attention, your spare dollars, donating clothes, voting in favor of good policy for our homeless folks at the elections, and even influencing your peers could have an impact. Anyway, that's all I have to share for today. Be sure to stay tuned for RIS number 12 when it releases next month. So we hope to see you real soon. Goodbye and take care.